Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, welcome to the fourth episode of Innovation Alley. Today we're in New York City, and uh, we've got a really exciting topic to go today. I'm Tim O'Rourke, Chief Technical Officer, host of this show. Dave White can't join us today because the collective egos between the two of us couldn't fit a third person. And we, you'll, you'll understand what that means as we get through this. To this discussion today. So today I've asked Tom Brzezinski, our Chief Business Development Officer at Wade Trim, to join us to talk about the marriage between innovation and business development and sales, right? Thanks for having me. Well, I love the new office. Right? We'd like to have you here. It's, yeah. You ought to come a little bit more often. Yeah, but, I will. Uh, I will. So, Tom, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit, what your role is? I mean, I've known this guy now for, what, 32 years? It's been a long time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I, like Tim said, I'm the Chief Business Development Officer at Wade Trim. Uh, responsible for growth, selling work, uh, getting new clients. Um, we've got a really cool footprint in the United States, and I think uh, in every area where we are, we have different technology needs. You know, the stuff that we do in Florida is totally different than the stuff we do in New York, which is totally different than the stuff we do in, in Dallas. So we've, you know, you've got to adjust technology as you go. And you have used innovation, and I mean, it's hard to believe, but you have used innovation and technology to win and do work. We were talking before the show about one of the examples that I like to use at the Miami Beach. Right. What we call the dry weather flooding issue that was going on down there with the tides rising. Right, up. And right. You sold a job and convinced a client of a technology and an innovation, if you will. So why don't you tell our audience a little yeah, bit Yeah, and about it's, that. it's more like the application of the technology. What was, what's happening still in, in Miami Beach, the city of Miami Beach, is that uh, during dry, sunny days, uh, the tide will come up uh, through the storm system into the street and basically flood a good part of the of the mm -hmm. Miami Beach. So, um, basically, what the solution was was to raise the roads and and get all of the roads out of the water. The problem is, is you can't raise the existing buildings. So um, you could raise the roads, but the buildings and the sidewalks are still down very low. So we had to create a drainage system that would keep the roadways dry and basically pump storm water. Uh, and 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 the and the ocean uh, Incoming faster tide. right yeah. faster than than it was entering the streets, so you would have the ocean coming up and our stormwater pumps would would keep up with it and, and basically fight it. The key though was is how do you maintain the drainage systems down below underneath the sidewalks, which are significantly lower? So we created ways to connect those pipes into the storm system as well and, and did yeah. all that and it's been a great success. So, I mean, the client, did they come to you with the idea, or did you kind of germinate what some of the options were and so thinking the, out of the, the box? And yeah, so it was one of the first ones uh, that, was, that were done in the city. Uh, it was actually the first one, and they didn't have any technology selected for it at all. In fact, um, they were unsure if it could actually be done because of, of the way that the geometry was in this certain area. So we basically sat down um, together with about three engineers, and we just got on a whiteboard and started brainstorming and coming up with ways to apply existing technology in a different way to solve the problem. And think you just nailed it because I think innovation in its core is applying existing technologies in a new innovative way more so than not. I mean, sometimes it's somebody invents something brand new. Right. But a lot of times it's just taking something that's kind of common and weaving it a different way and coming up with a new yeah, solution. Yeah, exactly. exactly. That's exactly what you guys did there. You know, our careers were pretty similar uh, growing up at Waitrim, I started in 1990. You were a couple years before that. 
That means we're old. <laughs> well, you're older than I am. Oh, yeah, well, but I look better, right? I mean, folks. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, <laughs> this, is, this has been a camaraderie and competition for 30 years. Uh, but we started really in the early going doing combined sewer overflow treatment right. in, in southeast Michigan. and First in the country. The first in the country. And we weren't thinking, wow, this is innovation in the sense of how do you properly treat no. stormwater mixed uh -uh. with sewage. And it became second nature to us. But I remember going through all of those iterations, and it's the same kind of thing. Get a lot of br uh, bright minds together and start looking at brainstormed yeah, ideas. Yeah, well, what we, what we were doing is we were, they were demonstration projects, right? You right. were working on three for Wayne County, and I was doing three for the city of Detroit. And my three performed better, I think. Your three performed better, yeah. but we made more money on my three. Right. I t uh, so okay. right. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> so... Um, but what was cool about that is you would use a certain technology on one of your basins, and I would use a certain technology on one of my basins, and then the clients were able to, you know, yeah. take a look at it over the years, and then and the and the the CSO technology that's being applied today is is the success of the things that we did back in the early '90s. The origins of a whole disinfection straight, all of that kind of yeah. originated when we were kids. Right. 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 So but we did, but that, but like you said, that technology wasn't created for CSO. We were taking wastewater technology and applying it to a combined sewer. Yeah, not to turn this show into us bragging about ourselves for a half hour. Why not? No. <laughs> I got nothing better to do. You know what? I got a lot more stories like that. No, but I can go back to he and I went to Michigan State. I was four years ahead of him, and I remember we were at a Michigan State game, and this was right after we got through those projects, right? Right. And we decided that, okay, we need to evolve from this and take Wade Trim to other locations and other places, learning this innovation that we had gained in the demonstration and applying it in other markets. And we decided right then, okay, let's start with Cleveland and, yep. and go from there and see what right. happens. And you moved to Florida in the mid-2000s, right? Similar approach. Ago, yeah. Let's take some of these innovations that we did. But a lot of the challenge of that is how do you convince a client, A, who you are, are you, do you bring something to them that is a value, right? Right. And how do you marry the solutions with the proper sales technique, right? How do you, how do you not sound like a salesman when so, you're bragging about yourself about these technologies? Right. Well, right? The, good, the good thing about me is I'm not a technology guy, all right? And That's true. When I, <laughs> it's very <Yeah>. true. <laughs> but when I go and talk to a client and you hear what their problem, like Miami Beach, you hear what their problem is, you take it back to the people that work in the office with you who are usually extremely smart. And because I don't have all the answers technically, I sit in a room and I can just ask them questions about the problem that this client's having. They typically don't, you know, technology people seem to be very linear. Right, often, exactly. Right? Yeah. And since I'm not linear, I can just sit there and rattle and then their mind gets kind of scrambled. And then all these good ideas start coming up, right, right? Right. And then you take those solutions back to the client and say, "Look at these things we thought of," and and I think these are kinds of things that could solve your problem. You know, going in and saying, "Hire us, we can fix your problem," without the ability to show them how you're going to fix they it. They have to see it. They, they got to see it. They have to you see know? it. They got to see it. And you, you know, you're, you're you're talking about communication being the, yeah. the the key core to it. You know, another example of of one that I went through when I was in Cleveland. We had this whiz kid that you let me take from Detroit. Remember Sam Glovich? Yeah. He is, uh, well, he went to University of Michigan, which is kind of a problem for us, but, you know, he's a genius. That was a joke, folks. I mean, U of, M, U of M's a great Is there a, a laugh track that goes Yeah, on? there's a laugh track with this. This is a great school. U of M's a great school. 
Sam was a uh, advanced hydraulic, you know, kind of modeler, right? right and right. he, at the mid—he's in mid twenties at the time—was able to work with the University of Minnesota and use their surge model for closed conduits, like huge tunnels. Mm -hmm. And we were starting to do that work for the Northeast Ohio Regional Sewer District, and they had just finished a bunch of tunnels without doing a surge analysis. Mm -hmm. And we're trying to explain to them, this is something that you should, you should do, because if you follow what happened in Chicago, geysers are a real phenomenon you need to worry about right. with, with unsteady filling. Long story short, it was hard to explain to them the phenomenon. Sam ended up creating a viewer from mm -hmm. the mixed train output so you could see the actual hydraulic grade lines moving. Yeah. And when you see them moving several feet above the surface, you go, oh, 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 that's not good, yeah. right? Yeah. And that's how they, we basically sold to them. We had to, sh like you were saying, you had to show it to them. Right. Because that's the first it. reaction in somebody's trying to tell you about something new is, what's, what's, in, what's your angle? Mm -hmm. What's in it for you? Right. And, and we're not, that's not our culture. No. So we try to become the trusted advisor that says, this is what you need to be thinking about. Maybe if it, if it works for you, right? So we've been going through, as you know, because you, you you're on the board with me, the, the whole advancement of technologies and what mm -hmm. we should be investing in and what kind of innovations we should adopt. Right. You know, if you watched our podcast, which I heard you haven't. I but you, I'm going to watch you, this you, one. You, I'll you, see this one. This you, will be you, good. you need to start watching these. I it's, will. It's good will. stuff, Jerry. It's good stuff. <laughs> but the... Uh, you know, the, what, you in, what you invest in and what you develop, whether it be reality capture that we've done or whether it's optimatics or whatever these... One of the challenges that when we brought this up at an earlier podcast, right, when we had some other guests is how do you get past the, okay, we've invested in it, there's an expense there, and it's now a capability we have, but we're not getting it, we're not getting it in front of our clients well enough. The client service management team isn't... A, aware if, if that's the case, or B, see the value and are actually getting it in front of the clientele, knowing that you know, you're, you're bringing something in front of them that might sound self-serving and salesy, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think we trim what we try to do is say, let's give importance to the technology arm and marry it with the sales and operational arm and try to give it equal, if not equal, you know, a fair shake in all of it. Right. And... You've been supportive in the, yes, we're going to invest in that, and yes, we need to get some of these ideas in front of our clients mm -hmm. if for no other reason for sales. Right. But, so what do you see as the challenges with that, though, and as innovations are being developed, how to get the, the client team, client service management team, educated, aware, excited, and then getting it in front of the, uh, the well, users, ultimately well, the users? Yeah, I think it starts with, you know, everybody's busy right now. They don't, they don't have time to you know, market as, yeah. as, as much as we used to. But I think one of the things we, I think we do really well in house is that we, we show these tools, these technologies to our staff. So they're aware of them, but they need to figure out a way to, to apply these technologies to their clients. So, you know, one of the things that I do is when I go and talk to a client is I talk about some of the things that we have. You know, mm -hmm. the tools that we have. I don't know what, you know, I don't know what your problems are dealing with Mr. Client right now. You have a conversation, you start hearing things and you say, you know, we've got something that, you know, I, I, we have an individual that's got this tool that I'd like to come and bring to you. And it's always good to bring, it's always good to have a reason to go back and see a client. With, right? the, with a technical expert. Or with a technical expert. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that, that just validates the whole thing. And, um, but what you, what you just said there, which I think is critical is you had a working knowledge. Yes. Hey, we have this tool. I'm looking at the camera now, as I said. We have this tool. 
it is a value to you potentially. I may not know enough about it to tell you exactly how it works and what the applications exactly yeah. that you need from it. Yeah. But I've got a couple of people that do, and I'd like to have another chance to come and explain it to you. Well, and I think, it. you know, one of the other thing, we just recently won a, a pipeline job, and, and uh, in the pursuit of that project, you know, pipeline jobs aren't that exciting to, to chase, right? I mean, right. there's not a lot of technology that, that goes alongside of them. Well, I knew we had this Navis, you know, yep. thing. I didn't really know much about it. I had one of our guys, Jason Yaskovitz, come down to, to Tampa, which is where I live, and I had him explain to me what this thing does. And then once I understood it, I started asking him, can it do this, can it do this, can right. it do this? And then I started learning about you know, what this thing can do and how I could apply something that's typically used for a building or a facility to a pipeline job. And uh, we actually found some ways to use it. Um, we talked about it in our proposal. We found ways to expedite the schedule for the client, and we ended up winning the job. I remember watching the interview for that project, and yeah. that's one of the things I think I heard from the client is you guys poured a lot of innovation into this proposal, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you just sometimes you just got to sit down with people and and you know t technologists, and again, if I knew the answers, I probably would have never asked all the questions. But by me asking those questions, he started explaining to me how we could. You know, apply this. We're getting to the point now, getting on this Navis thing, which I think is cool, is how do we start taking that information, that data, and tying it into asset management systems? And, and, and also building into digital twin worlds and, and, and model-based design, because right. it's, right. it's the starting point right. of all of it. Right. And I can see one of your next questions is, where's technology going right Yeah, I was going to ask that. So it's, this is not the Tom Brzezinski show. It's, it's the Tim O'Rourke show. But, <laughs> well, yeah, you, you can interview me. I don't care. But the, you know, at the end of the day, there's an inverse to this too, Tom, is that you're, you're a genius at sales that has this working knowledge of technology and how to bring it all together. But I think the other challenge for us and for technical people in general, how do you take your technologists and turn them into salespeople without getting into, you know, uh, rabbit holes and losing the client as they're di diving into a technology? You can tell, and I see it all the time when I'm with, with some of my, my uh, technical partners, you're losing them. You're losing them. Yeah. Pull back. You're losing them. Yeah. And it's, sometimes it's hard for them to understand and see because they just think this technology is so obvious. That right. you, and so some of it is training our technologists. Well, you just said yeah. it. You, you, sometimes you go you go up to somebody and you say, "Hey, I've got this problem. Uh, we've got to write a, an approach and a proposal." And right away, the the the, tech, the, the, the technical guy is so smart. He's like, well, that's not a difficult thing. That right. we, you don't even have to talk about that. Right. But to the, to the real world, it is a thing. So you've got to get them to explain to themselves that it's a critical issue, right. even though they don't believe it is because they solve them every day. So you, I mean, back in, when you were at, we called the contract PC744, but you were a program manager at the Detroit Wastewater Plant for what, four years? Five four years. years. Five years, something like and that. And so you were literally, and I had a similar experience with the Sewer District in Cleveland for mm -hmm. five years, where you're literally on the program management team, you're the program manager, you're one of them. Right. And now it's, you're getting barrag uh, barraged with these technology ideas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you go through that when you were at the Detroit? And how did you, how were you able to filter the... There's something here versus that sounds like crap to me. You know, how, how did you? I feel we're allowed to say crap because we're sanitary engineers, but <laughs> it's, it's, it's okay. Um, again, 
my role on that job was not a technical role as a program manager. I was just the person managing it. But, but I listened to, I knew the problems that we had on the job. So I listened to the way these people would solution. But I ground truthed it with, you know, our design people, our, our yeah, right. technology people. And, uh, and we were co-located with the owner. So once we came up with some of the technologies we thought we wanted to use, then we'd bring the owner in and see if they were interested in doing it. We actually did some pilot testing as well out of the plan. And I, and I think when you start, if you've got the time and the money, I think pilot testing, uh, especially at wastewater plants where, you know, every wastewater plant, wastewater stream is different. Technology is going to react differently to it. Yeah. And that was, that's, that's a huge advantage when you were at that plant. It's the biggest plant in North America, right? Yeah. Yeah. My experience in, was in the inside where I wasn't part of the plant at that time was the sewer district. I was inside the building working with the engineers and we would get all kinds of products, all kinds of new technologies. And my biggest frustration, I think, with the folks who would come in if, if they weren't connecting me with us, did you even do your homework right. to know why this wouldn't work for us? Mm -hmm. And I don't want to give any specific examples because it, you know, it would be self-serving, but you know, come, to, come educated when you come talk right. to me. Come understanding what my challenges are right. before you start trying to pitch a new technology. So that's one of the challenges too is don't just take an abstract idea and treat it like it's you know it's a hammer and everything's a nail to me right right, right. it's got to be the right tool for the right application right and yeah so there's I, a little bit of homework to yeah i think that. buying buying technology for for buying technology sake doesn't make a lot of sense i think is a weight trim plug i think that the way weight trim does it is um we will actually use technology to lower our, our fee we will shrink a job if we can using technology or some yeah. other way of delivering it, right? Right. Whereas some people who don't do their homework and just want to sell you a piece of equipment to generate revenue, I don't think that makes sense. You're not doing your clients any any good. All right, now I'm going to read one of these questions. <laughs> <laughs> Make it an easy one, would you? Well, this is a tough one I know you won't be able to get. Uh, is there a technology from another industry you'd like to see adopted on any of our projects? Well, I don't know if this technology is from a different industry or not, but I think... I think the the Navis that we talked about. Yeah. Um, I think Google Earth um, for horizontal pipeline jobs is going to just get more and more. So, for instance, we flew the drone. We get, we got some special drone. I don't know. It comes. It gives you all the contours within an inch. Okay. So you could fly twenty five miles of of a pipeline corridor. You could take that information yeah. from the drone. You could start designing it tomorrow while you're waiting for final survey to get done all right yep. so now all of a sudden you're way ahead of, you're way ahead of of the design yep. curve yep. right then when the new survey comes in you drop it in place and away you go our president Andy McCune believes that eventually Google you're gonna you're gonna go to Google and you say I want to put a pipe from A to B you're gonna hit a button and they're gonna give you plans and specs for yeah. it. yeah there, there's a huge belief that there's you know Efficiency tools like that that will yeah. replace engineers. They really won't replace But I don't agree with him because he's probably the least technical person we have. That would be a true statement. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. true. You know, the other example of this that is already happening in our industry is satellites. Now, that came mm -hmm. from the space mm -hmm. industry, right? Mm -hmm. And now that I, I, I forget, we interviewed Marcus Quigley from ESCG a, a couple months ago, and he was telling me how many new satellites have been put in the ecosphere, or those, the, you know, the, the orbit since uh, 2018. Like ten, like six or seven times what was there before. Whatever the number was, and I know I got it wrong. 
that pretty soon you're going to be able to do what you're talking about with Navis and drones yeah. from outer space. Right. And right. read real-time changes in, in, uh, right. in lake levels and whatever it is you're trying to, to, to manage for that. So it is kind of exciting. But I don't think it's going to replace engineers. I think no, it's I going to augment so. engineers and get us to be able to do things we should be doing versus busy work, right? Right, exactly. So what was your greatest sale of all time? And I'll have a better one once you come up with it. No, but you know, I don't know if you ever have the greatest sale. I think you've every every sale is different. I mean, I've I've certainly lost a lot of jobs I should have won. I should have I've, I've won a lot of jobs I should have lost. But I think the 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 best job that the 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 one that felt the best was the Isla Mirada. The, it was a large $130 million septic sewer. Tell people about that one, yeah. Um, so it was a great job. We, we went in with a $54,000 task order, and we finished with uh, over $10 million worth of fees. Um, it was great work down on the Florida Keys. What a, what a great bunch of people to work with. And, uh, but what's cool about that one is, and that's kind of a, a technology spin too, is we didn't have Wade Trim... Um, didn't have a lot of septic to sewer experience using vacuum technology. Right, I remember that. And the the village was very adamant that they wanted to to use vacuum sewer. Now they they were, they were under an unfunded mandate to to sewer all the village, um, which if you don't know, it's a chain of four islands down in the Florida Keys. Right. So they had a hundred thirty million dollar unfunded mandate. Uh, they didn't have any money to pay for it. Uh, they they didn't have a wastewater plant. Um, so basically what we did is we came up with a plan for them. Uh, we taught ourselves uh, vacuum technology, working very closely with uh, some manufacturers and suppliers of the vacuum system. Um, they struggled. They had a 10-year mandate. They, for the first five years after hiring numerous consultants, uh, they couldn't get the job done. Yeah. And uh, they ended up hiring us to be their program manager, and we got the job done under budget and uh, uh, within five years, and it was great. That was the first big hit water resources in Florida too, right? That was, was that first our, big that was job. A, that's, yeah. And that's what we sent you down there for, so that yeah. was a huge one. Yeah. What was the name of that barn? Was it Green Turtle? Or I've never it? been to a barn in my life. <laughs> <laughs> now we're lying. Okay. <laughs> yeah, the Green Turtle. The Green Turtle. Green Turtle. I remember. <laughs> we got some stories about the Green Turtle that won't yeah. show up on his podcast. Yeah. We, had our, our, we, had, we had one guy that lost English, the ability to speak English during the Roger. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have to cut, but... Uh, you know, how do you keep up with technology trends is a general question. I'm asking you as a CBDO, but it's really, you know, like I said, you and I grew up together in this company along with Andy and, and Dave DePietro and others, and this is our, our company now, and we really do act like partners. Mm -hmm. um, we do. And I remember when I went through the EFCG technology conference I did, they were asking about this chief technical officer position and how it works really well at Wade Trim. As much as I wanted to take that as a compliment of being an incredible, you know, CTO. human being. Yeah. Well, no, just, human just, being just a CTO. No, you're the greatest person in the world. But the, <laughs> but the real reason is that we at Wade Trim gave the position authority mm -hmm. and then filled it with someone who had probably street cred. If you had, if you were the CTO, that would be good. Well, no, I'd be. You, you'd do a good job with it. I'm pretty sure. But Not as good as you. Well, I, I mean, I mean, <laughs> you know, the statements of obvious. But that, that we, we created a partnership, we're all filling the pieces right. that made sense. Right. And we're all kind of equally uh, positioned in the sense that we work together to make sure every one of our elements work. And for us in the technology trends, it was 
Someone needs to be staying up at night worrying about whether we're staying innovative, staying ahead See, of I think technology. You, I think you and I approach technology totally different when it comes to getting it to a client. And I'll tell you how. You, you, want, you are at the front of the understanding the technology, and then you take it along to the client and say, here's the things I have. The way I do it, because I'm not in your seat, you're not in mine, I, I still have a lot of personal relationships with, with our clients. I, you know, I, yeah. I love getting with clients. I love getting in front of clients. I love talking to clients. When I hear from them that they have a problem, then I come back and find the technology that, that you have. Right, right? right. So you're, you're pushing from the technology side. I'm, I'm pushing from the client side. And, and I know you're very involved with clients like I do. Um, I think the, you're underselling your technical prowess, though. I've seen you with very little knowledge of something sound like you know a lot about it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I think that was a compliment. I'm not going to take but, this uh, And I think we, we both try to do the other side of it. To, no, this, is all, this is a relationship business at the end yeah. of the day, and it's how do you, you build trust with these, these ideas. Yeah. yeah. So if you had some closing thoughts, I mean, what, what advice would you give other chief business development officers that are also dealing with the same competition that's going on right now just it's, trying to win work but also technology is now becoming a differentiator and what kind of what kind of advice would you give others it's it's the easiest advice to follow it's the easiest advice to listen to and it's the hardest advice to follow spend time with your clients um, everybody in our industry is really really busy right now and yep. they're busy delivering work uh, the clients uh, can feel the consultants that are not getting things done on time and they can feel the ones that are getting done on time. Um, I don't know how much face-to-face -face, uh, interaction is being done with the consulting world and, and the owners. I know I push for face-to-face -face meetings all the time. In this yeah. virtual world that we're into today, everybody prefers to talk through a computer and I think a lot of stuff gets lost. Now that being said, a one-hour meeting takes you three hours because you got to go to what have it and come back. But you're not gonna you're not gonna hear the problems the clients have over the television. So you've always been uh, everything in person is better. Yeah. And humans are still humans, and communication is still communication. Right. And we're communicating a lot better now than we would be if we're right. on a Teams call right here. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. Well, that's kind of bringing to a close our what, fourth podcast. It's been. I mean, I got to tell you, it's been an honor to have an industry icon and a Waitrim legend. Ooh, that had to hurt. And Tom, it's nice that you were here too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> this has been great. We're obviously well, friends. We're obviously friends, and it's been a great thirty-year run, thirty-some year run, and we hope to have many more. And you think you got ten more left in you? To live or to do? Yeah, yeah, to I could work. Yeah, yeah, I could do whatever I can do. Yeah, sure, right. sure. Good to have you around for another ten. Is this your show or my show? I'm I mean, just... <laughs> we'll be around. We'll be around as long as it takes. So, I'll tell you what. It was a it was a good topic today. You were a great guest for this because honestly, this guy is as good a sales uh, and business development as I've ever seen in the industry. And uh, that's going to bring a close to our fourth podcast. So join us next month. Where we got a really interesting topic, right? Uh, we're going to be talking about one water hmm. with a University of Michigan professor, uh, Glenn Diger. Oh, so. Good. Oh, Michigan uh, guy, huh? Yeah, he's a Michigan guy. Yeah. So we may be back to our hometown of Detroit and yeah. do another one. So. Good. Thanks for coming to New York and Good thanks for. You. Take care, man. Thanks.